Hey everyone, so welcome, welcome to this video cast for the, the winners of the sustainability category for our HFS One Office Awards, the inaugural One Office Awards with, with emphasis with Corey and Aruna. And I mean, uh, the amount of times I've said congratulations to this space, I'll say it once again, congratulations, incredibly impressive, not just the, not just the way you presented the entry, but from all the kind of conversations we've had in the past leading up to this and sort of for anyone who is, uh, is, just, um, is just sort of starting, starting to learn, I guess, about, about emphasis and sustainability. I mean, I remember starting off um, sort of noticing all the internal stuff that was happening at Infosys, and then it sort of developed into this sort of very, very broad suite of sustainability services across kind of the consulting technology and, um, and call it business, call it business process suite. And then into the broader kind of ecosystem, and I think very, very briefly, the the main reason I think emphasis came up um, came up on top was the that that kind of sort of call it a call it a win 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 across internal sustainability as an organization, everything happening for clients, but also sort of very clearly knowing kind of where emphasis fits within the bigger ecosystem and how all of these all of these things come together for to kind of address the uh, address the global sustainability context, whether that's decarbonization, all the 17 UN goals that cover sort of all the environmental, social and governance factors that need to that need to underpin sustainability. But that's enough for me. And we have published a separate point of view piece that for anyone who's interested, we can, uh, we can um, read read a bit more about about the entry than I've just outlined. But I think what would be great from somebody just to, just to kick things off and Curious, like sort of the the unexpected side of this, like any any issues, benefits, um, any kind of key learnings, and what is what is top of mind for the sake of the next ten to fifteen minutes that you really want to get across, and then we'll go from there. Aruna, would you like to start? Because um, you know the foundations that you have put in place, as we've talked about, you know, being able to do it ourselves, right? As as the confidence and as the learning. So please please start, and then I'll continue. Thank you, Corey. That was really generous of you. Uh, but I must start with saying thank you so much, Josh. It feels good to be here. And uh, thank you for the really warm welcome. Uh, you know, I'd like to start from the beginning. Uh, the ethos of the company, which is actually founded on a very, very almost simple vision, which is to earn the respect of our stakeholders is something that has, uh, that has kind of been the baton in the backdrop of every single action that the company has taken since its inception. So when we spoke about earning the respect of our stakeholders, we spoke about everybody from the investors, clients, employees, suppliers, governments and regulators and the larger community. And we spoke about every one of them being impacted positively by our business. Uh, so when you, when you have such a strong start, you're not scrambling for what's happening in a new area and sustainability suddenly become coming to the fore. I think sustainability has been a way of life at Infosys since inception. Uh, way back in 2008, you know, it was a time uh, that uh, we had one of our co-founders on the United Nations Global Compact. 
and Mr. Chris Gopalakrishnan. And he said, we must take bold, ambitious goals and do our bit about carbon. Everyone thought it was a great statement. We had no idea how. You know, I'm going back to the first question that you asked. And we had a lot of people around the world, well-meaning people saying, why would the services organization, an IT services organization, talk about carbon neutrality and make such a large pronouncement of that? We recognized that energy consumption in buildings, you know, contributes to about 40% of the global carbon emissions and over 30% of global final energy use. And we decided an industry like ours can do nothing without electricity. And there was an important and urgent need for us to act. So we stood up and we said to the forum in the UN that we will become carbon neutral by 2020. And I'll tell you, Josh, after the uh, cheering had died down, we looked at each other quite blankly because we said, okay, what hit us and where are we gonna start? And that's when we began with a very massive exercise of metering and monitoring everything. You know, I think the first couple of years, we have a, a dedicated team that works on this, was sent off on a holiday across India to study old architecture, to study mosques, temples, palaces, and we have tons of them across India to understand how these structures continued to, to maintain ambient temperatures despite the season. You know, in summer it was cool, in winter it was warm. And what was happening there? You didn't have air conditioning, you didn't have fans, you didn't have anything that caused us to go back to the first principles of building design. And you know, uh, there's a they're saying that more than 50% of the world's buildings are yet to be built. And we thought that this is a place for us to act and act now. In 2020, we achieved carbon neutrality and we won uh, the United Nations Award um, for Climate Action. But I think what was important, Josh, even in that accolade was the way we achieved this neutrality. You know, we focused on three areas. One is the obvious one that I'm speaking of, of reducing our electricity consumption. The second big pillar was moving to renewables. But the one that really warms my heart was to not purchase cheap carbon credits. That was an easy way out. But to instead invest that money into projects that benefited the community. Today, I proudly stand up here and say 184,000 families continue to benefit from our offset projects. So I think the award, the UN recognition was about this holistic approach across stakeholders, you know, to be able to connect uh, and do, you know, literally dot the I's and cross the T's and do everything that was needed to achieve something that was a lot more holistic. So I think that kind of defines the emphasis approach. And that's what drives us. I'll Absolutely. pause here. 
as it, well, I'm, I'm glad an IT services organization decided to to make it their to make it their business to address sustainability. And it's it's interesting. You, you mentioned the UN award. I think quite close to to when I started at HFS, that was one of the first um, kind of things where I noticed emphasis and, and sustainability in a in a big way. And um, kind of then got thinking about right. So how how does this translate over into the into the services and and the and the client side, and that's probably around the same time, Corey. I think we would have we would have met and started um, talking. So I guess we've almost perfectly sort of started with the internal stuff, uh, moving on to to the client and, and the broader eco ecosystem stuff. So um, almost same question to to you, and and mm -hmm. whether well feels feels weird to uh, to ask given that we're we're dishing out awards. But is there anything as well that you think oh we could have done that? even better or we might have done that differently no certainly and, and we're, we're always learning here and once again I, I just like to reiterate you know we're honored and 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 thank you um you know for the recognition um i hope it inspires others right because this has to not just be emphasis this has to be everybody so this is great and we really admire so be very very um direct about what it is that we've done and what we're what we're learning across here we were able to take the lessons that we've learned internally, um, saying, what is the path? What are the things that we could do better? Um, how do we account for data? How do we look at not purchasing credits in some cases? Um, because we felt the community importance, but we also recognize, for instance, that purchasing of credits is part of the economy. And that's how many companies are going to be able to fund. Looking at the complexities of um, the going up the value chain, for instance, in scope threes. So as we started to address what was needed in the marketplace, we started to recognize a pattern. And that pattern was, it always starts with data. Companies have difficulties identifying what data, collecting that data, and it's all over the place of maturity. Secondly, it's around sustainable finance. So how the markets perceive from investment and how credit is given out, that's what's going to fund this change coming across here. And that is really, really relevant because unless there is truly an economic value to doing this, it's gonna be hard to have companies actually make the switch or governments make the switch across there. So there is no reason to compromise sustainability and ESG um, goodness or uh, an economy in this direction in saying, I'm going to have to um, sacrifice my business models in, in, in ways that are not gonna be healthy. Then this is then followed by the technology, whether it's material technologies or whether it's digital technologies, they both have implications across there. And then last but not least, is this whole idea of culture and having that cultural adoption. So we know this is the pattern that we're seeing across right now. Um, we also know that with the data going back to that, there's quantitative data, right? That is very easier. Well, not nothing's easy, but it's easier to say emissions, water usage, uh, waste. We can see those, but then we get to social governance, which are just as important. Those tend to be qualitative. And just as lessons we've learned when years ago as an entire you know, society about digital transformation, it wasn't until we were able to move these kinds of data points into systems of record of being central to the enterprise that it really couldn't be accounted for. So one of the key lessons we've learned, even taking these qualitative ideas of social science and, and, and these governance aspects, they should be migrated into systems of record and be treated at the same level of intensity as any other major technology program or governance program. And that is a key, I think, to success coming across here. I would also say that 
it can be overwhelming. These are large, wicked problems when we talk about these sustainabilities and um, agendas. And the goals are very, very set out there. Like, you know, and you worry about accountability when someone says 2050, 2045. And the fact of the matter is, is we think you can go much quicker. If we could do this in a period of, it took three years of planning in 2008, we were able to really start the journey in 2011 and accomplish this goal by 2020. Knowing what we knew then and using those technologies, we kind of question a lot of companies that say it's going to take 30 year years or 40 years to, to do something. So that was part of our ethos of this practical sustainability approach that said, what is out there? What are the frameworks that we know of and that others know of? And we've collated those. And it was a really interesting discovery. It turns out that there's enough existing technologies and processes that will solve about 50% of most companies' goals. And you can have a return within five years. And you can have return investment models within one to three years during that thing, path process. You won't get 100%, but you'll solve 50% of this right now if you truly put the motivation in place and you don't have to sacrifice economic change in, in a positive way. So things like single bottom line sustainability and having accountability within the records, we are help realize that when we've introduced this, whether it's through green IT practices or better data practices or better understanding of circularity and these approaches that can be done through traceability. We've had companies and organizations in entire countries say, guess what? We can shave our timeline by five years, 10 years, two years. Any of that is, is, is pretty amazing and that they can start right now and it can be outcome based. And these are the lessons that we've learned. So much to pick up on there that we could go down a number, number of rabbit holes, whether it's the transition planning element, the data and the challenges, not just what do you do with that data, but how do you get it from your ecosystem, collaborating, say the amount of work that you've been able to do sort of from your position within ecosystems, within industries and trying to kind of trigger that same level of collaboration that, uh, yeah, that's needed to get everyone aligned to that same global context which you mentioned, it's about more than just carbon accounting and trying to integrate all sorts of ES and G metrics into, into the problem, but um, a, a risk of making the video sort of two, three, mm -hmm. four hours long as, uh, as much as I'm sure everyone would love to, uh, love, to, love to watch that. I might sort of close it up with a question to, um, to, to, both of, to both of you. Very happy for either of you to jump in first on this. I'm kind of... Um, what really stands out um, that you would one recommend to say um, general organizations, but also to, to sort of others, to, to um, similar firms to yourselves or, or different ones? Very, very open-ended question on kind of what, what do you think really needs to be um, mm -hmm. to be amplified? Um, Corey, can I go first? Absolutely. I was going to just say, please you know, go. You know, I just wanted, Josh, I wanted you to pay attention to the book that Corey's authored, which is right I, there. Next I have to read it. Practical yeah. sustainability. And you know, there's a way in which he's captured all of that he's talking about in very easily referenceable templates. So I think that's that's a that's a very big thing. So Josh, we recognized as a technology company, um, we are responsible for progressing the word the world even faster towards the adoption of digital. And you know, that's a very, very complex uh, space to be in. And so I think the ability to make this opportunity available to everybody, every member of the community to participate. I think that became, so on the one hand, you're working with 
environmental issues, you're working with energy, you're working with water, you're working with scarce resources, you're working with circularity. What about the people? So I think the big, big focus was how do you enable everybody to participate in the journey and leverage the opportunities that it actually presents? So we launched one of the largest, I like to think, digital platforms for learning, which is absolutely free of cost. And it has some amazing high quality learning content with collaborations from across the world. And we have about 4.8 million learners today onboarded on this particular platform. And we have everybody from, from grade six to lifelong learners. We're talking about skilling, we're talking about reskilling, and this is giving us the confidence to actually dive deeper into non-traditional um, you know, resource pools uh, to hire from. People from diverse backgrounds, educational backgrounds. You know, the IT industry for the longest time has had a certain uh, way in which it hired a certain type of, of candidate, but the ability to be able to democrat, uh, democratize this across uh, larger, more diverse groups, allowing for this participation, I think today is something we're really, really proud about. So just going back to that question, I think it's important to have your heart and head in the right place and to be connected with both of them always. And I think that speaks to the ethos. You've got to feel for it. You can't do it as an action because the world is urging you to do it. The second is, as Bori has pointed out in his book, there's tons of money to be made by doing business responsibly. Guess what? So it is possible for you to realize that. And it is possible for every endeavor to take everybody with them. And I think that's what we should all strive for as we work to preserving the planet and preserving humanity. Mm -hmm. No, honestly, could not could not agree more on the kind of on the reasons for doing it. But on the other hand, given where we are in the state of the situation, honestly, if it's if it's a uh, if it's an attractive business proposal that makes you change, carry on, carry on. That's uh, that's okay with me too. Right now, we'll we'll get them on board later down, later down the line. I think um, the way I'd like to answer the question is just some four points of learnings. Um, that I think um, are, are relevant and hopefully this will help others. The first one is just as Aruna was talking about, there's the, you, along with the passion, right? And, 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 and that huge involvement, there has to be huge scientific reality and backing, right? The, this, this requires you know, real science um, in order to quote decarbonize or to understand social you know, aspects through here. So having that um, ecosystem of both academia and institutions and major companies and small startups, but there has to be a science base behind this that makes sure that this works. And then that has to be translated. And another definition of practical sustainability is how can that knowledge be then put into formulas or systems that everybody can use? That they don't have to be a science they can they can trust it but it has to be traceable back so real science in combination with passion and economic modeling needs to take place the second lesson that i think is really really important and it's just starting to surface now and even this is a big change that we have to do we have a great track record right and we define what a cso is 
that's about our own operations. And we said, okay, we've done this. We think we've done this well. We've achieved carbon neutrality. We have this constant passion improvement. But translating it over to the business side of the world and making that effect, that means the evolution of what a CSO means has to change also. They cannot just say, this is what I am. This has to be more. So one of the concepts that we've deployed is we started called sustainability champions. So we identified 65 top leaders of business across our company that are responsible for business, um, ability to make large decisions directly with clients. So we effectively now have 65 sustainability champions that are chief sustainability officers that are at the business level that are having direct impact in clients. So I think making that transition is an absolutely vital part to be successful um, you know, on this journey across here. I would also say that micro change is extremely important, right? Change management is there. So the ability to do these changes, not as just one big bang or it gets overwhelming, but those small changes, if they are planned and if they're recognized um, across there and there'll be learnings, that is a very effective and active way of making these changes take place across here. And I would say that their last lesson, I would say there are things that companies are already doing. What are they doing with their data? How are they performing in their IT? Um, how are they um, um, doing in the workplace? Every one of those can be rethought of without a lot of change to become green, right? So how do I think of my data storage? How do I deliver in low code, no code? How do I upcycle existing equipment more effectively? How do I communicate and empower? And there's actually, we've come up with 28 ways that we're advocating across there, which although it's change, it's not major change. And that has immediate impact um, across there. So there are things right now that can be done, but I think absolutely fundamental is this belief in science with passion and the willingness for CSOs to say, it's not just enough to say, I can now say what ESJ is, but how do I turn this into business advocates and, and, and turn it into that? Could, could not have put it better myself. Very, very well said. No, thank you so much, Corey. Thank you so much, Aruna. Great talk. Will uh, will not be the last conversation that we have on, on the topic, I'm sure, and a, a very generic call to uh, to anyone watching. I think it's probably fair to say that all three of us are very, very happy and keen to to discuss any any of this and broader sustainability at at any point so uh so do get in touch and uh no we'll we'll look forward to to the next conversation but congratulations again thanks for chatting mm -hmm. take care for now thank you josh and thank, thank you, you josh. hfs team thank you. Thank you